0: A pattern from Wuhan now emerging again out of China's massive outbreak. COVID-19 patients' lungs turning partially white on CT scans. More makeshift crematories in Beijing under construction to cope with overcrowded funeral homes. China's COVID-19 outbreak attracting global attention in 2023, are new variants likely to emerge? We sat down with three experts to find out. NASA's chief sending out a warning that Beijing could try to claim part of the moon's territory if it wins the new space race against Washington. In a two-year prison sentence for conspiring to steal trade secrets for China, the former general electric engineer in New York also facing a fine. Welcome to China in focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A pattern is emerging from China's sweeping COVID-19 infections and it's sparking concerns about whether the virus has mutated or whether earlier strains of COVID-19 are driving the ongoing outbreak. Chinese citizens are dubbing the phenomenon white lung. It refers to how some COVID-19 patients lungs have turned partially white on CT scans. To clarify, it doesn't mean their lungs have turned white. The white appearance on CT scans indicates fluid and infection in the lungs. Putting the patient in a serious condition, healthy lungs should appear black on CT scans. Chinese doctors have flocked to social media, posting videos of patients who have the so-called white lung syndrome. Let's take a look at a video clip from a doctor working at a Beijing hospital. The CT scan comes from a 78-year-old male who died of COVID.
1: Look at this patient. Both of his lungs have turned white on CT scans. This is the so-called white lung phenomenon. It's a very typical symptom of viral pneumonia.
0: In another video, an unnamed doctor said he diagnosed 120 patients in eight hours and that about 12% of them had the white lung phenomenon.
1: This is a CT scan of a 28-year-old patient. Look at the large patches of ground glass opacity in the lungs. This is a 48-year-old patient. The black parts of the lungs are healthy. The white area is appearing on both sides of the lungs. These are the lungs of a 65-year-old female. White lung, very serious infection. This is a 75-year-old senior. See the part where the lungs have turned white on the CT scans?
0: Other doctors are also taking to social media, posting photos of their patients whose lungs have turned white on CT
1: scans.
0: (laughs) Citizens, too, are reporting the white lung phenomenon among loved ones who have died of COVID-19. That includes a former anchor with China's state-owned broadcaster and the wife of a famous scholar. Both of their family members died of the virus, and parts of their lungs appeared white on CT scans. Some are questioning whether this indicates that an earlier strain of COVID-19 is driving the current outbreak. The white lung phenomenon was common when the pandemic first broke out in China. And studies show that Omicron tends to spare the lungs. Responding to the concerns, China's top health authority said white lung has nothing to do with the original COVID-19 variants and that a considerable number of patients with such inflammation can return to good health. Beijing scrambling to launch a new campaign for funeral services, building makeshift crematories. It comes amid the growing COVID-19 outbreak in China. Funeral homes and crematoriums are working round the clock to meet the surge in demand. According to official data, there are 12 funeral parlors with a total of 90 furnaces in Beijing. A typical cremation takes 25 to 40 minutes. If all 90 furnaces operate around the clock across the city, over 3,000 cremations could be done daily. Yet, funeral home staff say they are operating with several days of backlog. On Tuesday, China's health authorities officially reported just five deaths. At the same time, on one of China's largest talent recruitment sites, incineration design engineers are in high demand, marked with more than a thousand new positions. It's unclear whether these incineration designs have been used to burn human corpses. Chinese state media have called on citizens to rally around a so-called final victory over COVID-19. This as funeral homes across the country are overflowing. A resident in Beijing is taking issue with the official death rate in China, citing his own experiences. Here's more.
2: A growing line of mourners could be seen outside a Beijing morgue on Wednesday as China battles its COVID-19 surge. It's not the picture some there would like the world to see. No filming, said the security staff member. China's health authorities officially reported just five deaths on Tuesday, but some believe the toll could be much higher, including Zhang, a Beijing resident.
3: Some people told me the government relieved the number that was the single-digit number of the death, that is totally ridiculous and uh, not credible. You know, as far as I know, my close relatives, among them there are four, died already. That is from one family. So, um, so I hope the government will honestly and credibly tell its people and people in the world what really happened here
2: state mouthpiece the people's daily on wednesday called on citizens to rally around a final victory over the virus fearful of new variants emerging countries are slapping tougher controls on inbound chinese travelers which beijing criticizes as unreasonable and lacking scientific basis but despite restrictions state media says interest in outbound travel is cranking up at least five million chinese are expected to arrive in thailand this year a third of its pre-pandemic annual total, while bookings for international flights from China have risen yearly by 145%. Though passenger travel is still a fraction of pre-COVID levels, Beijing says it will increase flights and make it easier for residents to travel abroad.
0: Beijing is lashing out over restrictions some countries are putting on travelers from China. Over a dozen nations are now asking passengers from China to get tested for the virus before departure or upon arrival. Examples include the U.S., France, South Korea, and the U.K. That's as COVID-19 infections continue sweeping through China. Here's the White House's response. There's no cause for retaliation here. Uh, Just because countries around the world are taking prudent health measures to protect their citizens, uh, that's what you're seeing uh, from us and others. Uh, This decision is based on public health and science. Countries are imposing travel restrictions to limit the spread of the virus. But the measures are coming under criticism from the head of the International Air Transport Association, or IATA. The organization represents 300 airlines. That accounts for over 80% of global air traffic. The IATA says research shows travel restrictions make little difference in terms of limiting the spread. At most, the measure may postpone the peak by a few days. An expert gives his take on the issue.
4: Travel bans and lockdowns only prolong the inevitable that you cannot outsmart this virus by those kinds of measures. The virus is gonna do what it's gonna do And if you lock down or or travel ban, it's only going to do it later. It will eventually get to every country and, and do what it's going to do. And it's a question of getting it done now and over with now or just waiting until you can't have those travel bans anymore and then it'll do it eventually anyway. So there's no real point and it's not a serious issue to deal with anyway.
0: The U.S. is also considering testing wastewater from international airplanes. That's to help track possible new variants should they emerge. South Korea is one of those stepping up mandatory COVID-19 tests on travelers from China. This after a Chinese national who tested positive went missing while waiting at a quarantine facility. NDD's Daniel Monaghan has a report.
5: Health officials and military officers can be seen wearing protective suits. They are keeping a watchful eye as travelers from China stream through the arrival hall at Incheon International Airport. The travelers will then proceed to a nearby testing center. The case of the missing Chinese national has fueled public debate on restrictions on people arriving from China. South Korean authorities say the missing person was transferred to a hotel to await admission to quarantine, but then disappeared. Health Ministry official Kim Ju Young says the individual has been placed on a wanted list. Over 2,000 people have arrived from China since January 2nd. More than 22% of those tested were COVID positive. On Tuesday, about 26% of the more than 280 people tested were positive. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: Japan started testing arrivals from China for COVID-19 over the weekend. Those who test positive will be sent to quarantine facilities for seven days. But more restrictions are on their way. On Wednesday, Japan announced additional measures for passengers coming from China. The changes take effect this Sunday, January 8th, when China reopens its border. According to the new rules, all travelers from China will need to go through PCR tests or quantitative antigen tests upon arrival. Negative COVID-19 test results will be required before boarding for passengers on direct flights from China. Airlines are also urged to limit adding more flights from China. Outside Japan, New Zealand says it won't require travelers from China to take a COVID-19
4: test upon arrival. The first thing I want to say is to reassure people that officials have done a public health risk assessment and concluded there is minimal public health risk to New Zealand from the current situation. That means additional public health or border measures are not required to protect New Zealanders. So nothing is going to change on that front.
0: Despite the country's decision, Varela acknowledged the growing global concerns over China that's including from the World Health Organization, about the lack of reliable data on COVID-19 numbers from Beijing. As the new year begins, many scientists are turning their attention to China, closely monitoring for new variants of the virus. But first, they want to get a more realistic picture about the COVID-19 outbreak there, and are questioning the data offered by Beijing so far. Let's zoom in.
2: The World Health Organization held a closed meeting with Chinese scientists on Tuesday. The purpose? To present data on which variants are circulating in China. So far, sequencing data from China, provided to the global database GSED, has shown the variants circulating there are offshoots of Omicron. That's in line with the dominant variants in the rest of the world.
3: America, as an example, the Western countries have enough background natural immunity that... And we are not seeing that major change in the variants in China at this point, that if those infections come to America, it will not present that much of a challenge to us at this point. But the problem is, can you trust what is coming out of China?
2: At the WHO, experts note they have only seen a tiny fraction of China's cases sequenced so far. For nearly a month, Beijing hasn't provided data from China on new COVID-19 hospitalizations. That's since the outbreak surged in December.
3: Secrecy only helps the virus spread. Secrecy does not help in prevention.
2: Epidemiologist and former senior advisor to HHS, Paul Alexander, says it's important for China to be fully transparent.
3: Because if you let us know your situation, a proper situation analysis, and, and you give us copies of the virus so that we can study. We can help you.
2: On Monday, two main COVID-19 subvariants from China's current outbreak were detected in Malaysia. Both are listed as sublineage of Omicron. Yale epidemiologist Harvey Risch says a new variant of concern is unlikely.
4: And all of these Omicron strains will continue to behave like Omicron, given that it's had a year to evolve and it hasn't produced a new strain, according to the technical, biological, medical, virology definitions, it means it's extremely unlikely that it's going to do so in the future.
2: But Alexander notes that there could be an exception.
3: Now, here's the danger. There's massive virus circulating in China based on reporting. So once there's mass circulation and you move to mass vaccinate, the problem is persons who are vaccinated will be immediately exposed to that virus that they're vaccinating against. Those people would not have had the immune systems, the time for the induced antibodies from the vaccine to develop it to full maturity and maximal binding capacity.
2: He adds, in that case, the pressure from vaccines could cause the virus to select both the most infectious and lethal variants amongst itself. And Schaffner says two concerns are present
3: in China. One is just because viruses spread so rapidly. When they spread rapidly, they multiply greatly in the billions. And that, by chance alone, could create a variant.
2: Another is when the virus infects an immune-deficient person. That individual could potentially become a source for new variants. The situation is particularly grim in China, where 1.4 billion people lack natural immunity as a result of prolonged lockdowns. Beijing hasn't shared much information about the genetic makeup of the viruses it's seeing. Schaeffner says that has led the CDC and several countries to put new testing requirements on travelers from China. Although Omicron appears to dominate the world's viruses right now, the potential for new variants still remains a major concern in 2023.
0: NASA is sending out a new warning about China's space ambitions. Space Agency Chief Bill Nilsen says Beijing and Washington are locked in a space race and that if China wins, it could try to claim ownership of regions on the moon. The former astronaut and senator spoke with Political in an interview. He warned about Beijing trying to set up a presence on the moon, quote, under the guise of scientific research. In that scenario, he says Beijing might section off areas of the moon, home to the highest concentration of resources, adding that it's, quote, not beyond the realm of possibility that they say, keep out, we're here, this is our territory. He cited Chinese territory claims in the disputed South China Sea as a case study. Beijing has repeatedly pushed its so-called nine-dash line in the region, which labels waters controlled by other nations as part of China. China sent the final modules of its own space station into orbit in November, completing the country's answer to exclusion from the ISS. Beijing has also been investing in aerospace technology. As for what the U.S. is doing, NASA's current Artemis missions focus on lunar exploration. Artemis 1 launched in November, photographing the moon for nearly a month before returning to Earth. The Artemis 2 and 3 missions will further the agency's lunar goals. A New York man facing two years behind bars. The Justice Department saying he conspired to steal trade secrets from General Electric to help China. Xiaoqing Zhen received the sentence Tuesday. He was convicted following a four-week jury trial that ended in March last year. Zhen must also pay a $7,500 fine and serve one year supervised release after his two years in prison. Zhen worked at GE from 2008 to mid-2018. He's an engineer specializing in turbine sealing technology. Trial evidence shows Zhen conspired to steal trade secrets surrounding GE's ground and aviation-based turbine technology. That information would then go to benefit China-based companies and universities that research and make turbine parts. Coming up in expert remarks on the Chinese Communist Party's influence over the United Nations.
5: But she told me in some detail that uh, basically China has uh, uh, given uh, 10 million dollars uh, to the Secretary-General's office and the oversight of this fund uh, is uh, only with the Secretary-General himself and some Chinese appointees so there's no accountability beyond that and it's basically for the Secretary-General to spend as he wish, wishes on uh, you know, development uh, projects.
0: Joshua Phillip with Crossroads sat down with Benedict Rogers, a renowned British human rights activist and author of the China Nexus for details. Get his take in just a minute here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus, I'm Trudy Meyer. China has been developing its ties with the United Nations, but how far does its infiltration reach? Joshua Phillip with Crossroads sat down with Benedict Rogers, a renowned British human rights activist and author of the China Nexus, to find out more. He breaks down details about different agencies inside the UN, as well as its head.
5: I was uh, aware of China's influence at the UN, its ability to um, um, you know, effectively buy votes uh, on resolutions. Um, but what I was not aware of uh, was the extent to which China has basically bought uh, and penetrated uh, the office of the UN Secretary General himself. And I only learnt about this through uh, interviewing uh, Ambassador Kelly Curry, the former US uh, ambassador to. Uh, uh, the Economic and Social Council at the the UN, Uh, and she was one of, I did about 80 interviews uh, for the book, but she told me in some detail that uh, basically China has uh, uh, given uh, 10 million dollars to the Secretary-General's office, and the oversight of this fund uh, is uh, only with the Secretary-General himself and some Chinese Appointees, so there's no accountability beyond that, and it's basically for the Secretary-General to spend as he wish, wishes on, uh, you know, development uh, projects, but um, totally in in uh, partnership with uh, with China. And I had always wondered with this particular Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, you know, he's been completely silent on the Uyghurs. He's totally silent on the dismantling of Hong Kong's freedoms. He's silent on all the other issues in, in, in China, uh, and on some of the neighboring issues, uh, North Korea and Burma or Myanmar, he's said very little, um, and I you know, used to wonder why he's so in- inactive and, uh, uh, and so quiet, and I think now we can understand why he's, he's basically been bought by China. And you're saying bought off,
1: that's a, that's a strong statement, can we, can we say bought off?
5: Well, in a way, I think we can because this this uh, fund uh, that, uh, as I say, is only accountable to the Secretary General and mm-hmm. to the Chinese funders, uh, you know, certainly suggests that there's no coincidence between that and his inactivity on China human rights issues. And it was um, you know Ambassador Kelly Curry who told me this. She's very willing to talk about this publicly. Although she told me that I'm the first person to actually be willing to quote her on it. She's offered it to uh, to other media, and and they haven't taken t- t- taken it up. But that's um, incredible. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it, it, that's the you know, that's the top level. That's a big deal. The other concerning parts are there as well. We actually did an infographic at Epic Times. Is maybe a year ago or several months ago, where we looked at the different agencies of the United Nations that have Chinese Communist Party members as leaders, and there's a large number of them. Mm. Uh, we can talk about the Human Rights Council, which of all things, you would not expect the CCP yeah. to have leadership positions in, but they do. Mm. And we can look at the behavior of the UN, so, you know, the UN Human Rights Council and what they've been doing on human rights. They're more going after the United States than they are anything else, <laughs> and North Korea involvement and so on. It's, it's very strange. And then we can talk also about World Health Organization, which mm-hmm. cannot demonstrate its independence from the CCP. And you know, a, a lot of people would say, "Oh well, so what if it's a Chinese leader?" You know, if you're with the United Nations. You do. You no longer recognize your own nation, your United Nations, and there's a separation. But if we remember Interpol, you know, international police, essentially, uh, there was a CCP head of that as well who was actually punished by the Chinese Communist Party for not enforcing the CCP's laws through the United Nations. Mm. What do you think that tells us about you know in your Studies, you know, how much control does the CCP actually have over the United Nations, and how have you seen them using it?
5: Well, I think it has fairly extensive uh, control, um, and uh, that's illustrated in two particular ways, uh, among many others. Um, you know, we saw just uh, very recently, a, a month or two ago, um, the defeat of a resolution at the Human Rights Council by just two votes. Uh, on uh, whether the Human Rights Council should discuss the UN High Commissioner's uh, report on uh, the situation of the Uyghurs uh, in the in the Xinjiang region, uh, and uh, uh, it's extraordinary that even a resolution that was as mild as that, just just uh, creating an agenda item for the Human Rights Council. Uh, was able to be defeated because of China's influence. But I think one other um, anecdote which I describe in detail in the book um, is that Dolcan Issa, the president of the World Uyghur Congress and a very respected uh, human rights activist for the Uyghur people who's received many awards uh, for his work around around the world, Interpol had red notices uh, for him, he was arrested in several different places, uh, but also, um, even though he was invited to the UN by the US mission, uh, he was denied accreditation because China objected to him being allowed into the building. So it, it can go to as basic things as, as that.
0: <laughs> to watch the full interview with Benedict Rogers, chief executive of Hong Kong Watch and author of The China Nexus, please check out the Crossroads program on Epoch TV. Or click the link down below if you're watching online. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.